Welcome back. The season is done. Lakers are swept out of the first round of the playoffs by the San Antonio Spurs. And here we are in an early offseason, drowning slash basking in uncertainty, speculation, and wonder. And what is going to happen with this team? What's going to happen going forward? What is the future going to be like? The last time we spoke, we had just ended the season on a really nice winning streak. The team was playing well. Uh, we were relatively getting getting relatively healthy despite the loss of Kobe to his ruptured Achilles tendon. Uh, but other than that, guys were, uh, were feeling better, starting to come back. We were eyeing a return from Steve Nash, who's working to get himself back into to the game. Uh, Steve Blake was playing great. Uh, Jody was was playing pretty good. Meta had come back early from his torn meniscus uh, surgery in his knee. Um, Dwight was uh, was healthy. Powell was was healthy. Dwight and Powell were playing together fabulously uh, for those last last forty games or, or so. They really learned how to play together, and they were playing really. Really well. We were looking to get Jordan Hill back for the first time in a long time, and um, the San Antonio Spurs looked like they were uh, they were beat up. Tony Parker had a little bit of an injury. Manu Ginobili was had a hamstring issue that he was dealing with. It looked like they were hurt. It looked like they were going to be down, and we were getting healthy, so we were positive. Things were looking good, and then uh, reality set in. Uh, turned out that San Antonio was not nearly as injured as we thought they were, or as they led people to believe. Um, Mano came out and played fabulously. Tony Parker was looked really healthy, and and Tim Duncan had been, has been playing ridiculous all year long. He's having a himself a renaissance season. Um, and we found out pretty soon that the injury bug was just not quite finished with us. Um, first, we lost Jody to a torn ligament in his ankle. Then Steve Blake went out. He was gone with a hamstring injury. And, so, and, then, and Steve Nash, although he did come back very... I don't know if you could even call it. He really came back. I mean, he got back on the court. He was pretty, pretty ineffective uh, in what he was able to do when he was able to do it, and then he ended up going back out again indefinitely. So basically, our f- top four starting backcourt players were all out. <laughs> so we were we ended up uh, the last couple games starting. Who did we start? Darius. Uh, Darius was starting, and with uh, Goudlock. Andrew Gadlock, who, what, a week earlier had been playing in the D-League. Um, and there's our starting backcourt. I mean, granted, they're, they're both good players. Um, they're young, fresh legs. That's That's got to be good, right? Uh, they can both shoot the ball. Uh, problem is, neither one of them are 
anywhere near acclimated to the game plan to what we've what we've been doing. I mean, at least Darius has been on the team. He's been at practices, so he's a little bit more so than Andrew. Obviously, had was not at all the last time when we let Andrew go after training camp. I mean, we had a completely different coaching staff. You know, he comes back in here. He just probably doesn't know what's going on. He just goes out and plays loose and and shoots the ball, and he did, and he scored points, but. He, he had no idea what the defensive plan was, you know, that that we had spent all season trying to figure out ourselves. Uh, but he had he had no idea. Darius's defensive rotations were awful. It, it, it's there, there was no way. I mean, going in with that, you know, no Kobe, no Nash, no Steve Blake, <laughs> no Jody Meeks. Anton Jameson has a torn ligament in his wrist that he's playing through. Uh you know, Earl Clark is playing through a, a sprained foot. Meta World Peace probably has no business being on the floor anyway because he should be still out for another three weeks because of his surgery that he had. I mean, talk about the walking wounded, you know, and then San Antonio comes out with all their playoff experience and confidence and, and then they're healthy too. It, we had no chance, you know, and it's, it was nobody's fault. It was just there was no way, and we and they didn't play bad. It's not like we came out and laid an egg, you know. I mean, the the defense defensively, we're playing pretty well, you know, despite you know the backcourt. Um, but you know, Dwight and Powell were in there. We're you know they were they were playing well. We we just couldn't we couldn't shoot the ball. You know, the shots weren't falling, especially those first two games uh, in San Antonio. Uh, we just we just couldn't shoot the ball, and that's the thing. Every, everybody knew with Dwight, Dwight and Powell that we had to go in and get the ball inside, get the ball into the post. Everybody knew it. The players knew it. The coaches knew it. Kobe's tweeting it. I mean, everybody in the world knew it. So obviously, San Antonio knew it too. It's not like it was a big secret what we needed to do and what we had to do. So they obviously had it. They expected it, and they were game planning for it. You know, they know we're going to go into the post. So okay, there you go. You front the post. You know, you you create turnovers. So what happened? Oh my gosh, we had all these turnovers. Oh, so many turnovers. Okay, of course we had turnovers. They know exactly what we're gonna do, and so they're they're defending it. They have they have a game plan for it. You know, it's like you have the you're you know a football team and you have the the greatest running back the world has ever seen, and you have no passing game. So what's gonna happen? We're just gonna crowd the line with 10, 15 guys. You know, put t- I mean, if you got Walter Payton out there, you put ten guys on him, they're gonna tackle him. You know, it, it, that, that's the thing. Every, they knew we were going into the post. It's what we it's what we had to do, and so they just game planned against it. I mean, geez, Pop is probably the greatest coach out there coaching right now, and you don't think he can't game plan against a one uh, concept offense that he's playing? There's one thing that they can do: get it into the post. Okay, well let's take that away from him. You know, it's there was there was no chance. Um, so there, there it was. We we got we got swept out. I mean, we kept we were like losing players by the game. Every single game we lost somebody. Um, but the guys the guys put up a good fight. It was a valiant effort. You know, I really you really can't expect anything anything else. I mean, the, the Spurs are a championship team. Um, I hope they go. I hope they go all the way. Uh, they're they're a really great team. I mean, four championships. You know, in the last decade. Uh, they've got a Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame, probably three Hall of Fame players, at least three All-Stars. I mean, Tim Duggan's definitely going to the Hall of Fame, without a doubt. Um, you know, so just, just 
they're, they're quality guys. They're a quality team. So I don't, I don't think we have anything to be ashamed of is the point I'm trying to make while I'm building up the Spurs. I don't think we have anything to be ashamed of for losing to them in the first round, you know, or, or for getting swept in the first round. You know, I mean, look at look at the Clippers. I mean, they had everything going for them. Everything. You know, they were hot, hottest, best team in L.A., the best bench on the in the league, you know, best point guard in the league, best one two punch, blah, 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 whatever. They go into their series against Memphis and. Blake Griffith, Blake Griffith hurts his uh, what his ankle, he had a high ankle sprain. Okay, which is no minor injury. That's 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 tough, but okay, that's one starter that was not able to play. They fell apart. They completely fell apart. They won the first two games and then lost the next four in a row. You know, and that's with with one major injury. I mean, I know Chris Paul had an injury to his thumb, but he was still able to play. You know, um. So so what what do you go? What how do you how do you deal? With that, I mean, I think as as Clipper fans, I think they they should be much more concerned with the future of their team. You know, if if that's what happened, they had that massive break breakdown in the first quarter with all the high, huge expectations that they had for those team for that team. I mean, look at the not counting the expectations that we we had the Laker people had on the Lakers for the beginning of the year. I'm talking about like for the last like the last half of the season. What was the expectation for us? Nothing. Nobody expected us. Half the world was were saying that we would never even make the playoffs. So, I mean, the fact that we made the playoffs was defying expectation. So, I don't think anybody was necessarily surprised or disappointed when we were when we were taken out in the first round. But the the Clippers, man, that's that's got to be tough, tough to deal with right there. I think there's a lot of a lot more bigger questions uh, there than we have over here. But it doesn't matter because this ain't no Clipper podcast. This is a Laker podcast. So we're going to talk Lakers. Um, now, one thing about expectations, let me tell you. the Especially due, uh, in, in contrast to the expectation we had at the beginning of the year. When we, signed, when we got Dwight and we got Steve Nash, it's, the expectation was through the roof. Does anybody remember that, that cover of Sports Illustrated or the NBA preview issue with Dwight and Steve Nash on the cover? <laughs> yeah. Man, it was so talk about coming coming expectations coming crashing down. But honestly, I think the the reality is that the expectation for this team next year, no matter what happens roster wise, no matter what happens during the offseason, the expectation is gonna be completely different next year. No matter what happens, and no nobody outside of the team and what I mean like the sports media is expecting us to even contend for a championship next year, which I love. I think that's great because I think it really hurt us. I think psychologically with the, the huge expectations that we had in the beginning of the year, you know, everybody's, Oh, of course they're going to contend for a championship. And, you know, Meta was talking about, you know, we're going to go after the bulls record of 72 wins and this, this type of thing. Uh, there's none of that going on right now. And I think that's good because I think those high expectations, I think everybody bought into it. I think the team bought into it. Like, yeah, we're going to be awesome. This is going to be great. You know, we're just going to walk in and roll over everybody. And uh, yeah, they had a big surprise because obviously with this running to Princeton and it wasn't working and then the defense wasn't good and then the injuries started piling up, we weren't beating anybody. 
So, but I think a lower expectations is is great for team morale because what this team needs is everybody telling them that they suck. Everybody telling them that they're not going to do anything. Everybody telling them that this is going to be a rebuilding year uh, till the next year. That's exactly what we need because that's what we got the second half of this year. And it, the guys really, really stepped up and they really started playing and fighting um, kind of against the odds of that underdog. We, we do much better as the underdog. Uh, we just haven't been in... Very much. We wouldn't have that much experience being the underdog as as Lakers, um, but we sure were this year, and I think the guys really responded to that. Uh, the only downfall to the incredibly low expectations that we're going to have next year is uh, the fact that, like, if we're looking to make any kind of trades or getting getting anybody here, it's I think it's gonna it might affect how how bad people want to come here because there's it's always been. Uh, an attractive destination for people, even if it's even if there isn't a lot of money to be had, you know, a lot of contract space, people will still come here for for less money, uh, just to be to be a Laker and contend for a championship. But if nobody thinks that we're going to contend for a championship, then people might not want to make that sacrifice to to come over here. So that's um, you know, that's something that might that might hurt in terms in terms of trade possibilities. Not that we have a whole lot of trade possibilities, anyway. I mean, let's let's be realistic. Um, <clears throat> all right, so there's a lot of uh, of speculation about a lot of things going on right now. Personnel um, stuff. What's what's happening with people? So I, I have a lot of questions. I got a lot of input uh, for this podcast from uh, from a lot of people, which is fabulous. So I'm. I think what I can pretty. I, what I want to do is. I want to hit most of the things that I want to hit. I'll do it within the context of the questions. So I want to try to avoid making this like a two-hour podcast because I feel like I could right now I could talk for like four hours. I'm not going to. Okay, this podcast will not be nearly that long. Don't worry. Um, so with that in mind, we're going to jump right into the questions. All right, first question comes from Anthony. Uh, Anthony says, "Will Dwight Howard stay in a Laker uniform?" Okay, so that that right there is probably the biggest question that everybody's talking about right now. Is Dwight going to resign with the Lakers? Uh, not only will I answer that question, Anthony, I will see your question and I will raise you a counter question: Do we want Dwight Howard to come back in a Laker uniform? This is something that's been brought up a little bit in the media. Um, I know, Todd, you brought it up. We're talking about it on the Facebook page a little while ago, too. And this has been getting a little bit of mileage uh, in the press. I know Reggie, in the last game, Reggie uh, Miller, made this comment saying that, you know, the way Dwight is playing, I mean, he's playing well, but, you know, numbers-wise, is he is he playing enough to justify getting a max contract? And you know he's like I don't know I'm not sure I think that's a legitimate question that people need to to ask themselves you know is uh, is Dwight do we want Dwight to resign is he worth getting max money uh, so my answer to both of those questions uh, is yes 
Yes, he is. Now, I know. I know what you're I know what you're thinking. I know what you're saying. You're like, I, you know, I have been very very critical of Dwight this year. Um especially in the beginning of the year uh when he was he was being a little whiny He's been a little whiny bitch, okay? And he was complaining about stuff, complaining about touches. Uh, he was pouting. He was uh, not really playing through injuries. He was complaining about his back, you know, and then he, he got his additional injury with his shoulder, and then he was really having trouble playing through that. And we we all kind of questioned his heart, questioned his grit, questioned his, uh, his desire, uh, Questioned his his ganas per se, you know, if if he had what it takes to to really be to be a Laker, you know, and um, you know him and him and Kobe kind of clashed a, a little bit uh, in the beginning of the year, uh, not nearly as bad as people made it made it out to be, but you know there was some some tension because it of Dwight's seemingly or Dwight's perceived inability to um, put it all out there on the on the court and. Um, give what what needed to be given for the team on any uh, any given night and that's that's all legit you know but i i really think that that one i think i think dwight learned a lot this year i think he really he really learned a lot he learned a lot about really playing in the spotlight he probably thought he was playing in the spotlight in orlando being the face of the franchise the star player but i i don't think he really had any idea of what really playing in the spotlight meant in terms of the the massive uh, amount of exposure and criticism brought forth by the LA sports media uh i think it was a different uh, a different thing for him you know um but i think he learned a lot i think he learned a lot from from kobe uh not Maybe not necessarily just from Kobe telling him stuff, even though he should have, because I know Kobe was, and and I know that he did get get some out of that. But I think just watching watching Kobe, I think being around him and watching him sacrifice himself, watching him sacrifice his body for the team, watching him give one hundred and ten percent every single night, no matter what, and do whatever it takes to try to help the team win. Uh, I think I think it had an effect on him. You know, I, I I really do because his play really started to change in the second half of the year, and and another thing, I I think, I think he got a, he got a little bit of a bad rap, you know, because of because of how the beginning of the season went, you know, because he really did really play. He started started to gut it out and play through the injuries that he was dealing with, you know, he his shoulder. I mean, he was wearing the shirt. You know, to help help out, but I mean, it's not like it really healed during the during the season. He was constantly playing through it, constantly playing through pain. You know, and yes, I think his improved play definitely lined up with his back improving. The more and more his back improved and got more and hell and more and more healthy, the better his play became. I think that was def- those are definitely connected. That was not coincidental by any stretch of the imagination. You know, but with with all of this. With all this stuff and everything that he, all the injuries and the stuff, his back and the shoulder and all that stuff, Dwight only missed six games the whole year. You know, he he probably missed 
less than almost everybody on the team, you know, with the ridiculous amount of injuries that we had. Dwight only missed six games the whole year. You know, that's kind of crazy to to think about that and put that in perspective now, looking back at the entire season and at the, you know, cart of walking wounded that we had all year long and the ridiculous amount of games that everybody, everybody missed significant time. Just about everybody did. You know, and, and the fact that Dwight only missed six games, you know, he kind of stood up to Kobe in the beginning. He was like yelling at him about for, for defensive assignments when Kobe would miss his, his defensive rotations, you know, and he he's played through the injuries. He really started playing well at the end of the season. He really made a point when, when Kobe went down at the very end, he made a point to kind of step up into a leadership role with the team. You know, I mean, sure, you could definitely argue about the you know, the results, you know, what effect did that really have, meaning him stepping up as a leader uh, for for the team, because obviously once he, he did that and then we got swept. But, you know, there was other things in play there, you know, like that we that I had talked about in the beginning of the podcast, you know, that weren't I don't I don't think Dwight's leadership skills are what caused us to get swept out of the playoffs. And I mean, nobody's saying that that's not even I think in, in question. Um he, I mean, yeah, he got thrown out of the last game. Of course, there's, you know, shades of memories of Andrew Bynum getting thrown out of his last game as a Laker. Uh, but I, I, it's not the same. I mean, yeah, he got thrown out, and he, it was stupid. He shouldn't have got two technicals. Yes, um, he shouldn't have put himself in that position. Of course, he's a professional. Yes, he knows that. But, I mean, he, he was getting mugged. Every single time down the court, he was getting mugged. Nobody was doing anything about it. The refs, n- nobody. He's getting pissed, as anybody would be. You know, you saw saw that happen with Shaq so many times, where he would just get just mugged, practically, for the lack of a better term. Every time he'd get near the basket, you know, and it, he, it starts to wear on you after a little while. And he he got thrown out, and it was not ideal, obviously, and it was a bummer. And he kind of yeah, he let his team down by getting thrown out at the end. But again, I think he learned a lot. I um. I th- I think he I think he deserves to stay, I really do. I think he deserves to to be a Laker. I think he he deserves a contract. He deserves a, a max contract. Here here's here's the thing, okay. Dwight is gonna be better than he's ever been next year. Okay, now how how can I say that? What 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 do you mean he's gonna be better than he's ever been? What are you talking about? Okay, so check it out. He he's had these back problems have been actually this this has been happening for years. Okay. It it started small and it's been getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then it be it came to a head after uh season before last when he he got the surgery at the end of the season, right before he um he was traded. That that was not that didn't just happen. He, he that had been getting worse and worse over the course of of several seasons. Okay, it's it's the same. He was suffering from the same back issues that took out uh, that took out Larry Bird. Uh, we all remember, or well, you might remember, uh, at the end of Larry Bird's career, he was really in a lot of pain, suffering from a lot of back issues uh, that that really forced him to retire uh, fairly. Fairly early, um, 
and which is exactly the same thing that was happening to Dwight. You know, so here's here's the thing with Dwight. When Dwight came into the league, he was this ridiculous physical specimen, right? It was just ridiculous how amazing he was uh, physically and athletically, you know. But he didn't he didn't really have a large skill set, you know, and he didn't have a lot of experience. So, and obviously, the more you play, the more experience you're going to get, and the more your skill set is going to grow. So, as Dwight starts playing through his his season for first few few years of his of his career, you know, he's getting he's getting better, he's getting more skilled, um, he's learning he's learning things, he's getting better and better and better. But then his he's his health starts to slowly, very slowly, starts to decline a little bit. And in the opposite direction, as his skill level is going up, his health is going down. So, and that came to a head uh, when he had to, when he finally stopped playing and had the had the surgery, which he really should have had way earlier in that season. Um, which is what happened to uh, to oh shoot, sorry, dude, can't think of your name. Um, to Jordan. Same thing with the back, but he found it. He caught it in the very beginning, uh, and then had the operation and had it had it fixed. Um, so he was okay. But Dwight tried to play through it for a long period of time, most of the season, until he he couldn't anymore and had to stop and have the surgery. Now here's here's my point. Okay, the surgery that Dwight had is designed. First of all, it's a surgery that did not exist back in the '80s when Bird played. Okay, it it just didn't exist. Which is which is a bummer for him and and a lot of other players. Look at Bill Walton, the with the problems that he had with his back. You know, guys like that would have so benefited from this kind of of microscopic surgery that that Dwight Howard had done. So because of the surgery that he that is available to him now that he was able to do through proper rehab, he is going to be able to come back one hundred percent in terms of his his back strength. So now, as he's he's what he's twenty seven, I think he's going into the prime years of his of his career. Everybody, everybody's prime is like between twenty eight and really well twenty eight and thirty two, I guess. But really twenty eight and to thirty, like those two years, two to four. If you want to go thirty two, that's that's everybody's athletic prime of their life. So Dwight is about to go into his prime with. All of the skill sets that he's been that he has brought and learned and practiced and solidified through his whole career up to this point, and now for the very first time in his career, that skill level is going to be matched by his health, his athleticism. Instead of going down and getting worse, is actually going to match up with his skill set for the first time in his career. That means for the starting next season. For the first time in his entire career, Dwight Howard could have his health and athleticism match his skill set for the first time ever, which means he could be better than he's ever been before. Okay, it's like the bionic man almost. You know, that's, that's the, the reality to what very, very conceivably could be in store uh, for Dwight Howard. So, which means the Dwight Howard that we saw this year, coming back early from the back surgery, you know, dealing with all the injuries to his players, dealing with the three different coaching staffs, 
you know, learning how to be be a champion uh, mentally and physically from from Kobe. All these things, it was a huge journey that he's gone through this year. It wasn't like, all right, here we are in the in training camp. We're establishing these goals, and we're going to work all year to accomplish those goals. No, those goals changed like 10 times throughout the year while dealing with the injuries. So my, my point is, as Laker fans, I don't think we've really even seen an inkling of what Dwight Howard can actually be. So do we want Dwight to resign? Yes, we do. Does he deserve max money? Yes, he does. And that's that's why. You know, that's my take. So that brings us to the other question that everybody's asking is will Dwight resign? You know, um to not make a long deal out of out of that question is uh, yeah, I think he will. I think he will resign. I mean, obviously we can offer him more money than anybody else. Uh, in the league, and that that right there is a huge a huge thing to uh, you know a young NBA star. You know he knows that uh, if he stays here, this will be his team in a very short amount of time, um, which is what he wants. He wants to be you know the focal point of a team. He's gonna be that you know a- after next year. So he has that here. He has the most money here. You know, he lives here. He loves living in, in L.A. You know, the, the fan base has been pretty supportive of him. This is the best place to, to be, to live for, I mean, uh, endorsement deals. You got the Hollywood thing. You know, he loves being around that and, and doing other things. I mean, there's just five billion reasons for him to be in L.A., you know, and like two reasons for him not to be. You know, I know there's a lot of talk about that. He might go to Houston. That Houston's going to try to get him, you know, or or right now Atlanta thinks that they can get both Dwight and Chris Paul. I mean, um, I, that's all speculation slash pipe dream to me. I think, uh, you know, and people are saying, oh, well, he's going to go back to the Knicks or to, to the Nets, sorry, um, to Brooklyn, uh, which is where he originally wanted to go in the first place. Well, we'll see. I don't think so. They don't even have a coach right now. They asked Phil Jackson to be their coach, by the way, and he said, no, thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Um, I don't think Dwight's going anywhere. I think he's going to stay right here. He he wants to be courted. You know, he wants he wants to wait and and have have people think say, we want you. We we love you. We want you to be here. And, you know, that's that's kind of understandable. I mean, Kobe did the same thing. When Kobe went became a free agent, he did the exact same thing. Why hasn't Kobe signed yet? Why hasn't Kobe signed? He wanted to, for the first time in his career, see what it was like to be a free agent. You know, he wanted to be courted. I mean, LeBron did the same thing. It's there's nothing weird about it. That's what he wants. I mean, unfortunately, he doesn't really have the time to really do that full out. I mean, if he if he waits all the way till July first, till free agency begins to make his decision. He he's kind of really hamstringing the the front office to what their moves are going to be in response to the possibility of him not staying. If he waits all the way till July first to say I'm gonna I'm gonna leave, let's say he says we're gonna he's gonna he's gonna go, then that doesn't give us hardly any time to figure out what we're gonna do in response and. How we're going to fill that gap and and all that stuff, all these all the the myriad 
the bevy of questions that will come up in response to, okay, we don't have Dwight. What do we do now? You know, of other past the obvious, the obvious answer, which is, well, we keep Powell, duh, and move him over to the center. Um, but beyond that, there's a lot of questions. So hopefully he won't wait that long and before he will uh, decide to to either stay or go. I think he's going to stay. Um, next question from Anthony is, is it possible for Kobe to come back better than ever after his recovery? Well, that's that's the other huge question that's been that's floating around um, Lakerland right now is what what's going to happen with Kobe? Is he is he even going to come back next year? Is he going to be able to play? I mean, the injury that he's coming back from takes anywhere from six to twelve months uh, at the most. You know, that's that's the season. You know, even even six months is is past the beginning of the season. You know what's what's going to happen with Kobe, and when he comes back, is he going to be just a shell of his former self? Uh, what's what's going to happen? And I mean, in reality, nobody really knows. I mean, that's kind of the scary part is nobody knows because it, it could it could be anything. I mean, let's just look at what we do know. Let's not think about what we don't know. Let's look at what we do know. Okay, we know. Kobe is going to attack his rehab with the same amount of of intensity that he attacks everything else. Okay, this rehab is a, is a challenge. It's a mission for him. Okay, he's he he already has started doing everything that he possibly can to make this rehab go as well and as quickly as possible. He is he is counting on planning on being ready for the beginning of the season. Will he be ready at the beginning of training camp? I think that is pushing it. Uh, I don't think he will be. Um, I, I think if he waits and comes back either, even as late as December, January, I think that would be just fine. Just okay. But I think he's planning on, on being ready for the beginning of the season. Um, you know, I mean, look, look, look at the, look at the contrast. Okay. Look, remember back when Shaq, he had his, uh, his toe, injury that he got during the season. You know, the season ended, offseason comes along, he needs surgery, he doesn't get surgery, he waits all the way till training camp starts to get his surgery because he says, hey, if I got injured on company time, I'm going to get healed on com- company time. He didn't want to waste his, uh, his summertime dealing with rehab from surgery, okay? And he ended up missing like half of that season. Kobe injured, he ruptured his Achilles tendon the next day. The very next day, he went in and had surgery for it, okay, and immediately started his rehab, okay? that There's, there's the difference right there, you know, and that's, that's, that's what he's going to do. He's going to do everything that he can to, to strengthen it and make sure that, um, that he can come back better, better than ever. You know, and and the fact that he's now on uh, social media, being Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, he's kind of sharing this whole process with everybody. We can all kind of follow him, uh, watch him go through it, which is is kind of interesting, also. Um, but but his plan uh, is is to come back ready to go, better than ever. Now, will he have lost a step? I don't know. Maybe uh, is is. 
Kobe lost a step still better than most of the players in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you look at also look at it scientifically, the fact that the injury, the, the surgery that he had to repair his ruptured Achilles tendon, okay, involved taking this basically like stringing back together his tendon, you know, where they take wire, wire string, put it through his, his tendon and attach it back together, pull, pull the two tendons together and tight and tighten them down. If the body heals correctly with the addition of the extra wire in there, holding it together, it, the reality is it actually makes that Achilles tendon stronger than it was before. Okay, I know that sounds crazy, but the, this is this is from from Dr. Clapper, who's a a surgeon here in L.A. who does this kind of thing all the time. He says that the 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 tendon, if it heals correctly, if it is allowed to heal correctly, if the patient is diligent with his rehab and allows it to heal correctly, it it has the potential to come back even stronger. Like the the ruptured tendon could end up being stronger than the tendon in the other leg. You know, so you have to actually do rehab with both legs to make sure that your non-injured leg ends up being as strong as your new bionic leg for lack of a better term you know so is it possible for him to come back better than ever yeah it's it's possible um we're all in uncharted territory here okay kobe has had pretty much every injury under the sun he's never had this injury before so he doesn't know exactly how his body's going to respond but if anybody knows his body it's it's Kobe Bean Bryant so it's looking it's looking positive so far everything looks good i'm being positive um i think he is going to going to come back and play at a at a very high level will he be everything that he was before the injury i don't know i mean he was already cheating father time before the injury you know this year you know, coming back from from his knee, all the knee problems that he had had before, after he going having the procedure in Germany, uh, kind of found the fountain of youth this year. You know, um, is it because all the minutes that he was playing, that he was being, well, I was going to say he was being forced to play, but to his own words, he wasn't being forced by anybody. It was all his decision to play the minutes that he was playing. But the reason it was that he felt he had to play the minutes he was playing because the team was in such a huge hole that they were having to dig out of just to make the playoffs. There was no way he was going to allow the team not to make the playoffs. And so to do that, he felt like he had to play almost every minute of every game. And that's what he did. Now, did that, you know, cause him to rupture his Achilles? Uh, there's no way of really knowing, knowing, I mean, in all doctor medical personnel have said, there's, there's no way you can cause it to happen. It could happen walking down the street, you know, I mean, but I mean, common sense says it, is it, is it, are you more likely to rupture your Achilles tendon when you're walking down the street or when you're playing an NBA basketball games every other night and playing 45, 48, 49 minutes a game? You know, I mean, common sense will tell you the answer to that. And to answer your question, um, I think there's every reason to hope and believe that Kobe will come back um, as good as he ever was. Why not? Um, here's a little, uh, crazy, crazy stat that, uh, that I found the other day. If, <laughs> if Kobe was to miss his next 5,000 free throws in a row, 
his next 5,000 attempted free throws, if he misses all of them, he would still have a better career free throw average than Shaq. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. But there you go. I thought that was uh, that was kind of funny uh, when I read that. Um, all right, cool. Going on. Next question we have. Uh, this is from Sal. <laughs> so Sal says, will Dwight Howard stop being a punk and really learn what it means to be a Laker? So, okay, my answer to you, Sal, is this. That's a lot with your old lady, okay? We got to go. I'm going to see you. Okay, bonus, bonus, bonus points if any of you can tell me what movie that was from. Anybody besides Sal and besides you, Joe Torres. Okay, anybody else? Tell me what movie that's from. Put it on the page. I will be... Very extremely impressed. Okay. Uh, Sal, it's all good, bud. It's all good. Okay. Relax. He's going to be, he's going to get there. He's going to, he's going to come back. He's going to resign. He's going to impress you next year. Okay. I promise it'll be all good, bud. It'll be all good. All right. Uh, new question from um, a, a new uh, contributor, Kevin Lindsay says, uh, Why did Devin Ebanks never play? Okay. Yeah, this is a great question. Okay, a question I was asking myself all throughout the entire season. Okay, what's going on with Devin? How come he is not getting a chance? I mean, even when every single person went down, he still didn't didn't put in Devin. Okay, and he was he he started for the team last year. There was some games where he actually came up and started, and he played he played well. But uh, not the case this year. I don't know what he did to get into Mike D'Antoni's doghouse. I mean, I know that it, towards the beginning of the year, he did get a, a DUI. Uh, obviously, it's an off-the-court, you know, deal, but uh, he got that DUI, and since then, it's, he hasn't been able to buy himself any any minutes on the floor. I even uh, I even asked the uh, uh, Laker beat reporter, uh, Dave McMenamin, I asked him, why why is Devin not getting a shot? You know, and because he's at, at practice all the time, he's watching the team practice and watching the coaches, talking to the guys every day. And his response was pretty much he hasn't done anything to earn any playing time. You know, which which tells me it's it's a it's a practice issue. Playing well in practice, then he's not going to get any time in the game. Now that's pure speculation on my point because obviously I'm not there in practice. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing or not doing, but. You know, it did seem it did seem rather odd that a player who has played significant minutes and being a been a significant part of the team in the past, uh, basically couldn't couldn't find a way his way onto the court at all um, this year. You know, but the, I mean the things that the track record of Mike D'Antoni just this year kind of do make you wonder. It's enough to cause pause. You know, in the fact that. That when he got here, he had no idea how to use Pow, you know, had no had no clue on on how to really play him on on where he's effective. He he didn't want to play uh, Jordan Hill. He said it's nothing personal; it's a system thing. Uh, and then Jordan came out and outworked everybody, and then earned himself minutes, despite uh, what Mike D'Antoni wanted to do. You know, same thing with with Earl Clark. He had no idea what Earl Clark could do. You know, the only reason he got in there is because of, of injuries. He got in there and he made the most of his opportunity. But it's it's not like he was looking to give him a chance or looking to give him a shot, it seemed. You know, so because of those things, 
you know, it it makes me just kind of wonder what the deal is, you know. But we really uh, we really don't know. Nobody knows except Devin and uh, and Mike D'Antoni. And it, it's not like we even really got delved into it on uh, during Devin's uh, exit interview. I mean, all the players all the players had to do exit interviews with the with the media, and they ranged from. You know, like Kobe and, and Dwight and Powell, they talk for an extended period of time, you know, going into, you know, like 45 minutes or so. Devin, Devin Ebanks' exit interview, no, no lie, no, no exaggeration, was three minutes. It was like two questions and then done. I, I don't know. I was like, I felt like, you know, like, like Kevin Costner in, in JFK, and he's reading the Warren Report, ask the question. Ask the question, and I, I don't, I don't know. So there you go. I don't know. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll never know. Maybe he'll get a shot next next year if he's still on the team. I think he should. I think he's a good player. Uh, I think he deserves a shot. Um, all right, Ramiro has a question. Uh, does Pau still have any trade value? Okay, great, great question. Obviously, it brings up the whole speculation about is Powell going to be traded? Is he going to be back this year? A lot of people think he's gone. He's played his last game as a Laker. Um, before he did his exit interview, he had a big, long meeting with Mitch and Jim, and they talked about his future. Uh, they did not tell him, you will be traded. Uh, thank you for your services. Uh, they will no longer be needed. They didn't tell him that, nor did they tell him, you're a part of this team and we're not going to trade you. They didn't tell him that either. They, uh, they're not sure what's going to happen with him. And he is, Powell is prepared, I think, mean, either way. He came out of that meeting, well, I'm, I'm, he's preparing himself to be traded while wishing, hoping that he is not traded. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be traded. I think what that what all that means is here's what I think they're going to do. I think they're looking to first first and foremost they're going to wait and see if Dwight is going to resign. They I think they they're confident he's going to and when he does, then now they can they're going to shift their attention over to Powell. If I think there are more probability, there's more options in play that have Powell staying as a Laker than there are options for him not to be a Laker. Okay. Let's let's say first first let's say Dwight leaves. Dwight does not resign with the Lakers. Okay. If that happens, once that happens, boom, Powell moves over to center. We have our center. We move on. We keep Powell. No question. Okay. If Dwight stays, then then it gets interesting. It's I I do not believe it's if Dwight stays, then Powell's out of here. That's not that's not the case. I don't think that's that's what they're looking at at all. They they do realize that in the last the be, in the end of the season, the last forty games or so, Powell and Dwight played really well together. They had uh, they had really figured it out and had a good chemistry together and were playing really well off the ball together or on the ball together. Uh, I think they would like to see that continue uh, while with both of them healthy. Which, which is something that we didn't see all year at all. There's, we've, we haven't seen a single minute of Powell and Dwight playing together, both of them being healthy. So I think there's a lot of uh, curiosity there with everybody, the, the front office included, especially to see what that would really be like. And I think they do want to see what that would be like. 
Um, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. Now, I think if once Dwight does resign, I think they will start entertaining offers uh, for Powell to see what they could get for him because they know that really our trade options are extremely, extremely limited. There's just not that much that we have the ability to do right now this year. We're, we're so far over the cap. We have no money to deal with. We don't have, because of the penalties for being over the cap, we don't have the mid-level exception. We have the veterans minimum uh, and, and a mini mid-level. But it's not much. I mean, there's really not much. Mitch said it great when in, in his, uh, he did an interview with the media after the exit interviews where he, he basically said, if that's the only thing you're deal, dealing with, if you're going to give a, get a player who's good, a really good player who's going to play and contribute, he's going to want and need more money than we have to offer. If we can get somebody to come here for less money, he's probably not going to be that great of a player. So there's your, your catch-22, and that's what, we're, that's what we're dealing with. So if, if they can pull off something spectacular and get maybe one or two really good, younger, uh, defensive players who are good shooters, then I think they, they would entertain that possibility of possibly trading Powell um, if they can get something really, really good for him. If they can't get something really, really good for him, I don't, I don't, th- I don't, see, I don't see them trading him. At all, it wouldn't. It wouldn't make sense. He's the only trading chip that's worth anything, so they're not going to give it away. No way. And I don't. I don't think we're going to be able to get much for him. You know, not, nothing that's going to be substantial. You know, and for that, because of that, I don't think we're going to trade him. Now, now again, if Dwight doesn't stay, we don't trade him. Period. But if Dwight stays, I, I still don't think we do because I don't think we can get you know trade value from him, which is which is good because my personally. I think we would have no business trading Powell. I think we definitely 100% need to keep him. I've been saying this all year long. Um, that the, the one advantage that we have over everybody else is the size in the middle that we have with Dwight and Powell. Not with just Dwight or even with just Powell, but with Dwight and Powell together, that is the advantage that we have over everybody else. It's always been the advantage that we have over everybody else. It's the only thing we had going into the first round of the of the playoffs because we had no, no, nothing else besides Dwight and Powell. Everybody could just pile up on that and um, and take that away. Just just basically we get get the keep the ball from going inside, you know, creating turnovers, and that's what they did. As long as you don't make shots, then that it's it works, and it worked, and that's exactly what they did. Um, but obviously, our our backcourt isn't going to be as uh, inexperienced as it was going into the playoffs uh, next year. Hopefully. Um, so there you go. That's that. So next, next question. That was a good question. What was that? Ramiro, does Powell have any trade value? Cool. Oh, another thing that could hurt Powell's trade value is the fact that he just had, uh, he just had a procedure on his knees to address the tendonitis that he has been suffering from in both of his knees that he's suffered from all, all, all year, especially in the beginning of the year when he had his plantar fasciitis and his tendonitis in both knees, man, he, he was hurting. He was playing, playing through some pain, definitely. And, um, the, the tear that he had in, in his plantar fascia, uh, healing from that hopefully f- is fixing or has fixed his plantar fasciitis, but his tendonitis in his knees is what he was addressing 
with this new procedure that he just did. The procedure is called uh, FAST. It's an acronym. It basically stands for Focused Aspiration of Scar Tissue. It's basically a, a microscopic. Uh, they they take a, a the incision is like the size of a of a toothpick. So it's a very non evasive uh, procedure, which is good. Means it it cuts down the the recovery time. Uh, definitely, but they basically they go in there and and try to replace, uh, take out scar tissue, and help in in healing. They're gonna go back and do a second round, I think, next week, and they're gonna actually put in uh, stem cells to regenerate growth. Uh, it's pretty crazy, um, but they're expecting him to have a full recovery and be one hundred percent back. Uh, it's gonna take about three months, which is gonna put him right. Right in the middle, in the beginning of uh, of training camp, he should be should be ready to go. So, coming back to the trade value, is that gonna affect even if if Pow does go on the market and we look to entertain trade offers? Well, the fact that he's rehabilitating from uh, a procedure will that affect his trade value? Possibly. Um, personally, I say hopefully, hopefully it does because I don't think we should trade him. Um, yes, of, of course, we need to get younger and quicker and all that stuff, and that's good. We just don't have a lot of uh, of options, you know, right now. There, there's just not a lot of things that we can do to make the team better. So the only thing really we can do is to believe in the team that we created and and to believe in the in the idea that when healthy. This team should be able to compete for a championship, which is what everybody in the world believed at the beginning of the season. So all of a sudden now the team looks like a mediocre team, but because of everything that we've had to go through with the coaching changes and the injuries. So if we if we can believe and maintain that that the team is set up to to win, then that's what we should do. We need to keep the band together per se and uh, and give this thing its uh, its day in court. You know, a full year with with D'Antoni, with a with a training camp, and uh, everybody healthy, and let's go see what damage we can do, and kind of do the last last hurrah of this of this team before basically everybody's contract contract runs out at the end of of next season. So there it is. Um, hopefully, we won't trade Pow. I think we have more reason to keep him than we have to trade him, uh, which is which is a good thing. Um, another new contributor, uh, Jason McCowan, I think, um, says, uh, will Nash put reflectors on his wheelchair? <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, obviously the, I mean, it's funny, but it's, there's truth to that because, you know, Nash is getting up there, you know, he turned 39 this year. He's going to turn 40 next year. Um, he's got a lot of, a lot of mileage on those wheels, you know, and he's, he was the one that coming into this season, I myself even was saying this whole thing depends on Steve Nash. Steve Nash is was what's going to make this whole thing work. It's going to put this whole, all these new things that we have, these new parts, they're all going to come together because of Steve Nash. That's what's going to make everything work. Well, that didn't really happen because he had the worst season of his entire career in terms of injuries. I mean, talk about a nightmare. Uh, every injury under the sun from, what, the second game of the season when he when he broke his shin and he was out for a huge amount of games and then he's dealing with his back and then his hip and, and everything. I mean, he, 
when I said Dwight Howard missed six games this year, okay, and going into this year, everything hinged on Steve Nash. Putting all the parts together hinged on Steve Nash. Mike D'Antoni coming in as coach because of Steve Nash. Steve Nash is the thing that was going to make everything run. Dwight missed six games. Do you know how many games Steve Nash missed? 50. 5-0. 50 games he missed. Okay? We didn't have a chance, folks, for this thing to, to gel and come together. Now, but the question, the obvious question in any sane person's mind is, okay, well, Steve Nash seemed pretty healthy in the beginning of the year this year, and look what happened. So, I mean, not counting the 30 games that he missed because of his his broken shin, he still missed significant time because of the back issues that he's been dealing with for years. So, you know, the logical question being, is it going to be any different next year? You know, and that's that's a legitimate question that I don't know if anybody really has the answer to. I mean, I know his plan right now is to rehab and retrain over the summer with the intention of coming back next year at 100%. And, um, you know, sure, if he does that, that would be that would be great. You know, but is he really going to be able to maintain that through the entire year? You know, that's that's a question. And I, I think as a the big difference in paradigm, the paradigm shift that we need to have or the, the team needs to have from last year to this year is that we cannot count on Steve Nash to always be there to run the show and make this thing work, okay? He needs to be like the bonus. If, if he's available in there, awesome. Let's use him. If not, this thing's still got to be able to run without him, okay? Because depending on him, I think would be would be a little bit of a fallacy. Okay. I don't think it's a, it's the right move because of the fact that he could, he could rehab and train and whatever all summer. And he could have run into the exact same back issues. We don't know if this is, if it's, this is as good as it's going to get with Steve Nash. We just don't know. I mean, obviously he's a phenomenal competitor. He's a phenomenal athlete. Um, he's going to do everything that it takes, but you know, age is still age and there's really nothing, not a whole lot you can do uh, to fight that. So with him, I th- we can only really hope that it's going to be good, but I think we, we need to not be dependent on him running this thing. You know, I think, thank goodness we have Steve Blake. Um, I think he's as good as anybody in, in terms of doing what Steve Nash can do in relation to this team. Um, but, and obviously Kobe has, has proven that he could be a facilitator if need be also within the, within the offense. So, uh, I think we need to take steps to make sure that we are not dependent on Steve Nash. Uh, as sad as that is to say, I just don't. I don't trust his health. I trust him. I think he's a phenomenal competitor. I just don't trust his health uh, anymore that I could throw him. So, I, I really, I hope that he's healthy. I honest, I super hope that he's healthy, and I hope that he can play 82 games. I'm just not gonna gonna expect it uh, like I like I did last year. You know, so that's where that's kind of where I am with with Steve Nash. Uh, I hope he's I hope he's better. I hope he can play. But yeah, he is kind of in a wheelchair, you know. Um, All right, cool. So let's get to to Gabe. Gabe kind of put a wrote a little magnum opus on the site. 
um, but with some really good uh, observations and, and questions that I am going to uh, attempt to to address uh, here if I can. Uh, Gabe wrote now now if you if you actually were on the Facebook page uh, Facebook uh, slash ask like Lance um, and you read uh, Gabe's thing you'll know that I am uh, paraphrasing slightly when I read this. Uh, he he basically wants to know about the Laker culture. Um, which is, I think, is a great topic. Uh, Laker fans are spoiled, he says, uh, which I agree. It was a huge accomplishment just to make the playoffs. Uh, but every time the team seemed like it figured it out, the, the f- and that was going on an upswing, uh, the fans refused to see that this was just an injury-riddled, mediocre team. Um, okay, let me, let me address that first before we go on to the rest of, uh, of Gabe's question. Um, Laker fans are spoiled. Yes, they are spoiled. Now, when I say that we're spoiled, what I mean is we expect a championship or at least being competitive at a championship level every single year. You know, and that but but I think that's that's expected. I don't think anything wrong is wrong with that because of the fact that that's the way that the team is set up. That's the ownership that has been established, you know, ever since since Dr. Jerry Buss took over back in uh, in 79. You know, that's what that's what they try to do every year is bring us a team that could contend for a championship. And they've done it more times than they've not done it by far, you know, so. So I don't think there's anything weird or wrong with Laker fans expecting that every year. Um, the thing that's, that gets a little frustrating is that when, when things don't go right, when things don't go right right away, the, the patience level seems to be really, really, really thin. You know, um, oh my gosh, we, we lost the game. Fire everybody. Fire the coach. We need Phil Jackson. Bring in Phil Jackson. You know, uh, Kobe missed a free throw. Kobe's done. He's he retired. Amnesty, Kobe. You know, get him out of here. Powell's playing with with tendonitis in both of his knees and and plantar fasciitis in his foot. Powell's old. He's done. He's washed up. Trade Powell. Trade Powell. Trade Powell. Trade him while he's still got trade value. You know, it's that. That's when I. That's why I say that we're kind of spoiled. <laughs> in that sense is in that we have no we seem to have no patience when things don't go well um and that's always that's always been the case you know but but that's kind of the culture here a little a little bit uh but the comment uh the Gabe said every time the team seemed like a figured out fans refused to see that this was just an injury riddled mediocre team I, I don't agree with that I don't agree that we were just an injury-riddled, mediocre team. Uh, I think this was a really good team. Granted, on the older side, yes, we but we knew that going in. But um, but healthy with everybody healthy, I think this team can compete with with anybody. I mean, I think it didn't it didn't help with the ridiculous expectations that were put on in the beginning of the season. Like we're gonna beat everybody just walk to the finals and win another banner um, and it's just in the books already that that didn't help anything with that sort of expectation you know going around happening uh, but this team being able to be competitive with anybody with the roster that we have right now I think is is completely legitimate I don't think we're a mediocre team 
at all with a long shot. I mean, with, with Dwight and, and Powell healthy and playing together, and then with Kobe and Steve Nash in the backcourt, I mean, I mean, come on, you know, and who knows, MWP, stick him in there, stick somebody else in there. It doesn't matter, you know, have a really strong backup for Steve Nash when and if he goes out, you know, there I give you Steve Blake. You know, maybe maybe improve some some bench play, maybe make some moves there, but the core group that we have, I, I, I still feel good about. You know, maybe you can sit there and go, and, "Oh man, Lance, you're you're living in dreamland. You've got your your purple and gold goggles on." You know, well, hey, maybe I do. I don't think so. You know, I still believe in in this team and the potential of this team, and uh, add in the health to the camaraderie and the sense of fight and energy that this team achieved, especially in the second half of of this year. I think we are a very, very dangerous team. So that's what I think. Now, Gabe says, what should Laker fans realistically expect in the next few years as the Lakers rebuild this thing like a top franchise should? Okay, that's an excellent question. Here's, here's what they should realistically expect, okay? Next year, next to nothing in terms of changes to the team, okay? I think we're pretty much going to go out with very close to the same team uh, that we had this year. It's not going to be exactly the same. There's going to be some changes. There always are. Guarantee that. Okay, but I think the core group comes back and gives it one more one more shot with a full season of D'Antoni and, and hopefully healthy bodies all around and see if we can do one last push in Kobe's last year as a Laker. And, um, and I think we would have a shot, and I think that's the plan. That's the plan of the team so that in, let's see, that would be 2014-15 when everybody comes off the books, then we have a ridiculous amount of flexibility. Okay, we can, we can do whatever we want. We can bring everybody back again if we want, if it's working or if we just win a championship. Or we can, we can get rid of everybody and just build an entirely new team uh, around Dwight Howard. We'll get out of this salary cap hell that we're in. You know, we'll have so much flexibility, and there's a lot of major name free agents that are going to be available uh, a year from now. You know, I mean, names like, I mean, LeBron is going to be a free agent. Um, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Paul George, Clay Thompson. I mean, a lot of guys are going to be available. And we're looking, the plan is to have an extreme amount of flexibility to be able to sign not one, but multiple, multiple big name free agents and bring them in here with Dwight and to set up this team for the future. So that's, I think, I think we're in a really good position right now. You know, we need to give the team that we, that we built last summer that everybody felt so excited about, give that team an honest chance to go out and see what they can do when healthy. And then it's a whole different ball game after next year. And then we, this, this team could look very, very different after next year. Okay. But they have, the, but the important thing is that they have the flexibility to do that if they want. Because if they let's let's say we make some sort of big trade right now. Let's say we trade we try to trade like 
pal for i mean it's not gonna happen but people throw things like like kevin love let's go out and get kevin love you know or or josh smith you know those guys have hefty contracts hefty contracts that don't expire at the end of next year you know like let's say you get you get josh smith or or kevin love you bring them in here they're they're already in like a three or four year contract you got to pay those guys you know you bring them in here and it's not just going to be for one year. Now you're stuck. That contract is going to take away a lot of your flexibility that you're going to have in 2014-15 season, you know, to sign some of these other huge name free agents that are going to be available. You know, it, it takes away the op- options a year from now. So I don't think they're going to they're going to do that. They're not looking to do that. This whole thing was a two year plan at the beginning of this last season. This was a two year plan. For the last two years of Kobe's contract, we're going to build this team to go out and compete for a championship for the last two years we have Kobe, okay, and put everything on the table. That's what we did to get this team, and we're still in. We're about to go into the second year of this two-year plan, and that's what that's what we're going to do, and I think that's what we should do, okay? That's exactly what we should do. Um, okay, is Mike D'Antoni coming back? Okay, there's there's still a lot of 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 you know Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson. We need Phil Jackson and all that stuff. Let me just let me just cut to the chase to this right now. Okay, let me just cut to the chase. Okay, forget Phil. Okay, Phil is out. Phil's gone. Okay, Phil. I love Phil Jackson. He's fabulous. He's best coach of all time, no doubt. He's not coming back to coach this team anytime soon. Okay, it's it's just not going to happen. People need to forget that. Okay, yeah, well, he just turned down, you know, the coaching gig for the at the Nets because he wants to coach the Lakers. You know, would would he like to possibly coach the Lakers? Yeah, I think I think he would. Would he like to accept a front office job in the Lakers? Definitely think he would. Is it going to happen anytime in the near future? No. Like it or not, <clears throat> Mike D'Antoni is our coach, and he's going to be our coach this year. Uh, unless we lo- unless we lose the first five games, and then they'll can him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Mike D'Antoni is our coach uh, for next year. Get used to it. Um, that's uh, that's going to happen. Uh, first of all, he just bought a $7 million house and fired two assistant coaches. So believe me, he's coming back. Okay, so Chuck Pearson's got the boot. Bernie Brickerstaff uh, were both let go. He's uh, And Eddie Jordan accepted the job at Rutgers, so that's... That's three possible spots in the coaching staff. Not necessarily, though, because I think Mike D'Antoni likes, he prefers to have a smaller coaching staff. Um, I think he wants to kind of streamline things a little bit, go a little bit smaller. But that's not saying that he's not going to bring in bring in other other people and other coaches. He pretty, pretty much inherited this entire coaching staff with the exception of his brother from Mike Brown. Um, so, you know, it makes sense for him to make a, a few changes. Uh, this I only it hold out hope that he's going to bring in an assistant coach um, to be the defensive specialist, which is uh, what I've been saying all year long. Now, some names that have been tossed around uh, again are names like like Nate McMillian and Alvin Gentry. Um, it'd be great if he brought in Nate, but you know we these things were flying around the media at the beginning of the season this year too. They said, "Oh, he's going to bring in bring in Nate and have him come in and coach with him," and he never did. Um, but Nate didn't get a head coaching gig of his own, so maybe uh, maybe he'll maybe he'll do it. Um, I I have to hope that he realizes he and as in Mike D'Antoni realizes that he really needs an assistant coach to come in and be in charge of the defense. Um, I mean, the, 
are, the team isn't as bad as it's made out to be defensively. Okay, we're not terrible defensively. We were pretty much average, kind of middle middle of the pack defensively. Uh, way better than we kind of are given credit for. Uh, however, if we want to compete for a championship, we need to be not in the middle of the pack defensively. We need to be at least in the top ten uh, in our with our defense defensive stats. And um, I think we what we need is to get a defensive coach, just assistant coach in here to put up the game plan and just concentrate on that. I think coming in to this season, Mike D'Antoni really thought that he didn't need to bring in a coach uh, specifically for defensive reasons. And, and there's two words why he didn't believe he had to do that. Dwight Howard. I really believe that he thought because we had Dwight Howard that he didn't have to worry about the defense, that he would handle the defense, and that would be that. And then the offense, he had Steve Nash. Steve Nash would handle the offense, and that would be that. And I think he kind of thought he had his the best uh, scenario he could possibly imagine coming in here. He wants to come in here, run his system. Who do we want running his system? Steve Nash. All right, what about defensively? I want Dwight Howard, the best def- defender out there, and I want them on my team, and then put Kobe on the team too. I mean, he thought he had won the lottery when he got here. And um, I really don't think he had any idea about the kind of challenge that the gig was going to be when he took the job. Um, now, all that, all that being said, I think looking back now at the end of the season, I, uh, this is going to be weird and kind of crazy, I know, to a lot of you. Because, I, again, I, like the Dwight Howard thing, I've been very vocal in criticizing Mike D'Antoni over the course of the season. Um, but I th- I think I think all in all he did a he did a pretty good job. I mean, yes, he wasn't really prepared coming into the season to work with the players that he had, and yes, he hadn't really figured out a way to to integrate integrate Powell before he got here. He wasn't really even interested in finding a way of integrating Powell before he got here, uh, and that that took a while. That took a long time before he he was able to do that. And and yeah, his hand was kind of forced. In doing it, his hand was forced in doing a lot of things because of injuries. Um, so, I mean, hey, you could kind of look at it in a, in a sense of, I mean, maybe the injuries are were a good thing, you know, or not not all bad because, I mean, if everybody was healthy and he came in, he would have been running his his system that, that he wanted to run, and he would have been able to run it. With healthy bodies, and the reality is that he he probably we probably would have either benched and or traded Powell already, because he just doesn't fit in the traditional Mike D'Antoni system. But because of all the injuries that we have had to endure, on all the people going down, he he didn't have a choice. He couldn't do that. He didn't he didn't have the option of just running his system. He had to figure out a way of making it work with the players that he had available on any given night which again tended to change on any given night you know so whether whether it was you know the team just saying screw this we're we're, we need to do this this way and that's kind of Kobe's take on it um or or whether it came from Mike D'Antoni I mean whether or not it came from him he still kind of let it happen and I think learned a lot especially towards the end of the season in terms of what what needed to be done to get this particular group of players to play well together, and it took a lot of uh, of adjustment. You know, it took a lot of compromise. You know, in his 
quote-unquote system or, or idea of what his system should be you know and i think by the end of the by the end of the year he was he he was humbled a little bit in and and just in terms of of realizing that his system doesn't just work all the time you know and that a lot of times you have to adjust certain things uh to the players that you have in order in order to bring out everybody's strengths okay it's not i'm not saying you know screw systems coaches have to do whatever the players want because it's a star driven league that's not what i'm saying at all i'm saying you have a certain skill sets that are specific in the players that you have and every team is different and and a coach's responsibility is to look at evaluate the strengths that your specific team has and then figure out a game plan that utilizes all of those strengths i don't think that's what he what Mike D'Antoni came into the season thinking he was going to do. Uh, I think that's what he ended up doing at the end of the year, and I think that's a big reason why why we ended up playing so well in the in the last two months of the season. You know, I mean, they were they were hot. I mean, I mean, the team was playing really well. You know, I mean, we finished the season at twenty eight and twelve. You know, and another thing, okay, Co- Kobe was really kind about. Talking about Mike D'Antoni's in, in his exit interview, it was it was kind of a a love fest, you know. But he wanted to make sure the point was made that that we acknowledge the good job that Mike D'Antoni has done, um, be, probably because Kobe knows uh, we're staying with Mike D'Antoni. Okay? This is going to be our coach at least for the the near foreseeable future. So we need to all get on board and um, and make the best of this. Um, and I think it can be good. I think it can be really good. But the the here's here's the thing. In the beginning of the season and and last season, I I have been very vocal about my frustration with the Lakers as a team being infuriatingly lackadaisical when it comes to their attitude toward playing hard. Okay, energy and effort has been hit or miss for at least three years, okay? And and three years means that goes back one, two, three, four different coaching staffs, okay? So it's something that happens somewhere along the line. The team got lazy or figured it didn't have to work all the time, and it, it, it has been infuriating for Laker fans for a long time to watch the team come out and, you know, play a fabulous game and then turn around and completely lay an egg on the next game, you know, and and it's been happening for years, and it was happening this year in the beginning of the year, you know. But one one thing that has really changed in the culture of the team and the attitude of the team this year was was a complete reversal of that whole mindset, because in the second half of the season, especially the last two months of the season, the team never took a took a game off. The team was always fighting and always working hard every game. Now, we didn't win every game, you know, because again, we were dealing with a lot of stuff, but that aspect, the aspect of do we play hard every single night has completely changed. Okay? And we need to be aware of that and really let that soak in because this has been a problem that go dates all the way back to to the Phil Jackson team. Okay, 
this year, for the first time in, in over three years, the team has learned how to go out and play hard every single night and play with energy every single night. There's a lot of times when, when the team wouldn't win a game and there's people in the, in the media would say things like, oh, the team has no energy, the team has no heart. No, 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 that's, that's not what it is. Watch the games. Watch what's happening. They're going out with energy. They just either didn't have the proper game plan or they didn't have the, the right personnel because everybody was injured. Okay, But in terms of working hard and really fighting and sticking together as a team, that's something that really, really happened for the first time in a long time this year through the second half of the season. And you, you have to, whether, however you feel about Mike D'Antoni, you have to give him some credit for that. You know, I mean, we have blamed every coach before him for not being able to instill that in the team. And now we finally have it. So we need to give credit for that, I think. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with Mike D'Antoni. You know, I mean, you could you could argue a lot of pitfalls that he may have. But the dude's the dude's like a like a pit bull. He's a stubborn ass pit bull who who doesn't give up. You know, and in the beginning it was kind of bad because he was the thing he wasn't giving up on was you know got to play in his system and got to do the things the way he knows it should be done and it wasn't working, but you know he he acquiesced to that he adjusted, you know, and then and then we took that same attitude of never giving up and being stubborn into how we played the game and the energy that we took and brought in to playing and fighting together. And I, th- I think it, it made a huge difference in the team. It made a huge difference in the play. It made a huge difference in the defense. You know, and, and that's, that's legit. You know, that's huge to me in my head. That's, that's a huge thing. So if, if Mike D'Antoni's been the first coach to get this team to come together as a team and play well with energy every night and fight and fight together, then... I think I think we need to we need to stick with this guy and see what see what he can do with a healthy team. Keep that kind of attitude with with healthy guys around him. I mean, who knows what could happen? You know? I mean, the look, the bottom line is, like I said before, Mike D'Antoni's staying. Okay? We're not getting rid of him. Phil Jackson's not coming back, okay? So get over that. So what do we really have? Well, I think we could have something really great with Mike D'Antoni. Okay? So I say give the guy a chance because um, this I really, really was impressed with the way that he got the team to play, especially in the, in the last half of the year when they were really, really fighting. You know, And you could say, oh, well, they had no choice. The team had no choice. We're so far in the hole we had to fight every single night. No, don't give me that because we've been in, in playoff situations in the last two years where we had no choice. We had to fight, and the team would lay an egg. Okay, they did it under under Phil Jackson a bunch of times. They did it under Mike Brown. They never did it under Mike D'Antoni in terms of playoffs. Yeah, we haven't won a playoff game with Mike D'Antoni, but it was not because of a lack of energy or a lack of focus or a lack of grit or a lack of fight. And that's something that I haven't been able to say in a long time about the team. So that's, that's, I'm giving props to that. So I think it gives us hope. All right, cool. So uh, last question. I think this comes from Joe. Joe Torres says, uh, should the Lakers go after Chris Paul instead of Dwight? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, no. Here's the thing. Chris Paul is kind of like Phil Jackson, okay? He's great. He's awesome. He's amazing. It would be so great if he was a Laker, but he's not, and he's not going to be. 
So we need to let it go. Okay, let it go. Chris Paul is a free agent. Totally. Clippers can offer him more money than we can. So there's no way that he's going to want to come here and, and betray that whole thing, that, that thing that he's built over there. He feels like he's built this team, built this, this whole vibe over there that has been successful all year, and he wants to be able to prove that they can be successful in the postseason because they laid a big fat egg. So I think he's got a lot to prove over there. Um, so that's a reason for him to stay. Now, what reason does he have to leave that whole thing that he's created and walk across the hall to the other guys, the hated Lakers coming from the Clippers? It's definitely walking over to the dark side. You know, what, what motivation would he have to do that? The, the, there's only one thing that would cause a player to, to do that, and that would be money. And the, and the realistic thing is we can't offer him nearly as much money as the Clippers can. So unless Chris Paul hates money, He's not going to come to the Lakers. Okay, so there you go. Uh, Joe says, if you were able to control the Lakers, what moves would you make in the offseason? Well, I mean, if okay, there, again, there's not a lot of moves that can be made this year. Our hands are really are really tied. There's not a whole lot of stuff we could do. I would I would bring the band back together. I mean, there's obviously going to be certain things that are going to need to be changed. I don't I don't really see Anton Jameson coming back. Um, I'd like him to. I think he's a good player. He's uh, he's pretty horrible defensively. So if we can get an upgrade uh, defensively from that, uh, that would be great. Um, I, I like Meta World Peace. I'd, I'd like to have him back. A again, he came back early from his, his knee. He wasn't quite himself. But he, he came into tra training camp completely in, in the best shape of his career last year. And he played great. He played great the whole year up until, you know, he uh, he had his injury. You know, he, he's he's a streaky shooter. But his, his defense is still very valuable uh, and would be to this team. So I say, I say keep him. Um, the big thing that I would do if I were making the moves is, is what I've been saying forever, which is I would hire Kurt Rambis on the spot and have him come in and coach the defense. That's, that's the main thing I would do. Um, the, the more As time goes by, I'm getting more and more I thinking that it's not going to happen. Uh, but I do like the talk that uh about maybe bringing in nate um nate mcmillian again to, to to coach alongside with mike d'antoni he's a great defensive coach a great defensive mind and it would be fabulous a huge upgrade for the team to get him in here but then again maybe this is media talk because the exact same stuff was being talked about and tossed around once they hired mike d'antoni oh he's kind of he's going to bring in nate and nate doesn't have a job right now he's going to bring him in to help coach the defense it didn't happen he never did so I'd have no real reason to think that it's going to happen now, um, even though I think it's the right thing to do. It's the only thing to do. You've got to bring in somebody to come in and take ownership of the defensive end and take that off your plate. You know, It's not your forte anyway. Get somebody who's really good at it, bring them in, and let them do their job. I mean, Christ, man, it's, it's the whole framework for for being successful you know what do, what do you you can't do everything you got to hire good people and let them do their jobs hire a good defensive coach and let him do the defense okay it's not rocket science it, it has to happen that's if if anything if there's anything that we still need desperately to happen between now and next year it's that that's exactly what it is that needs to happen um i mean even even kobe says you know, in terms of keeping the team together, in his exit interviews, he said, quote, we need to keep the core group together. We figured a lot of things out this year, and we learned how to play together, and we really came together as a group. You don't want to just 
lose that. And that's legit. That's that's totally true. They the mindset of everybody at coming together at the end of the season, the way they learn to play together, to trust one another, to really feed off of each other. And there's no question now about how Pow should play with Dwight, about how Kobe should play with Dwight. Dwight should play with Kobe. They they took all year and figured all that stuff out. If you now start ripping this thing apart, bringing all new players in here, they got to figure all that stuff out all over again. And after, after all the work that they did and all the crap that they went through this year and finally figured it out, they have to start all over again next year. In, in Kobe's words, it's a headache, you know, and it's, it's unnecessary. There's no really reason that we should have to do it. We need to build on this year. There are good things that happen this year. There are positive things that happen this year. If we change, completely change the roster and try to build Humpty Dumpty back over again, it's going to take away every good thing that happened this year it will be for naught. Okay, we need to build on what the good that did happen so we can go on and be better next year. And, and I have no doubt that if we are healthy, we will be tons better next year. I mean, the, the, I don't, not to beat a dead horse for the fifth time, uh, but the amount of injuries were astronomical. Just, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous, the, the amount of injuries that we had. Every single person who was playing on the roster was injured and missed significant time through the year. And that just, it never happens. It never happens. I can't think of a single other team, not only a Laker team, but a single other NBA team that had that many major injuries in a single season. I can't have, if, if you know of one, let me know, because I can't think of a single, a single one. So, all right, let's let's wrap this up. Which uh, last question Joe has? Which player, past or present, would you wish was a Laker? Which was I wish was a Laker? Um, well, obviously Chris Paul. I wish Chris Paul would have stayed a, a Laker. That'd be awesome. Because now, now that we're all wishing and we're just in the wishing hypothetical world, Chris Paul, Kevin Love, I would love to see as a Laker. Paul George, I think, would be great in a Laker uniform. Kyrie Irving is is fabulous, fabulous young talent. Be great. Um, if we're wishing, I mean, we're not going to get any of those guys anytime soon. Possibly, there's a chance after next year, though. Possibly, maybe Paul George. Um, Kyrie's under under contract for longer than that, I think. Paul George's contract comes up then. Um, Kevin Love, I think, has a little bit longer contract. Um, and Chris Paul's a free agent right now. Uh, who is your least favorite Laker ever? <laughs> okay, that's kind of a toss-up, I think, between uh, Smush and Bynum. Smush just because he wasn't very good, and then he now that he's talking so much smack after he left, it's kind of annoying. And Bynum, I mean, my uh, my criticism of Bynum is well documented. <laughs> so man, that guy would drive me up the wall uh, just with his attitude, um, the amount of talent, and then conflicting with his attitude that he had. That was uh, my least favorite. Uh, but there you go. All right. It's been a long one. It's been an hour and a half, but dude, thank you so much for sticking with it. If you're still listening, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to do, I'll do another one when, when things start happening again, if once the moves start, start to be made, we'll definitely do another podcast or something comes up. Um, there's a lot, a lot of you guys that are giving com com comments and, and feedback on the Facebook page. Thank you so much. Uh, a lot of you guys haven't actually liked the page. The likes are really low because a lot of you guys are coming in talking without actually liking the page. Take you two seconds. Next time you go to the page, just click like, bloop on the top. It's easy. doesn't cost you a damn thing. Just click it up there and it'll, uh, it'll support the, um, how the page is seen throughout the rest of Facebook. So it'll, it'll help. It'll help to get more people in there too. And if you happen to be a Twitter guy, come, come check us out. Ask Lego Lance on Twitter. 
um, and you can give feedback there also. Um, there's there's stuff that I do on on Twitter too that's separate from the Facebook page occasionally, so it's, sometimes it's cool to check that out. But awesome! Thank you so much for listening, guys. Keep the faith, okay? I think it's gonna be it's gonna be good. It's gonna be happening, Gabe. Keep your head up, man. It's gonna be good. Dodgers gonna get better. Lakers gonna be even better, okay? So keep your head up. Go Lakers. Thank <laughs> you.